Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. Hey, Ann Friedman. Hey, Aminatu So. How, how does it feel week two of being back? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, hanging in there, hanging in there. Uh, <laughs> I break. pictured you literally like the kitten on the branch, just like stretched out, like truly literally hanging in. <laughs> I really am hanging there, kitten. That is <laughs> That is the delicate balance that is my life. The branch is my life. Is that poster still hanging in schools these days? Or like, is that a reference from my and your like 90s childhood that is no longer relevant? I don't even know. You know, I don't know. Maybe we should go walk around like showing it to children and be like, do you understand (laughs) what is going on with the cat? (laughs) Have you seen this kitten? (laughs) Yeah, we're definitely not going to get arrested for that at all. (laughs) Uh, What What are we talking about today? I'm so excited about today's episode because it is um, a classic phone a friend with a true friend of you and me and of this podcast. Um, one of our favorite artists, Kanisha Sneed. Yes, I am <sighs> so excited about this. So let me tell you, for those who are not aware, Kanisha is an award-winning artist and creative director. She makes various objects and ceramics and textiles under the name Tactile Matter. And she will be releasing her first children's book, which is called Many Shapes of Clay, A Story of Healing, on May 6th. Relevant to CYG listeners as well, Kanisha is the person who made our logo and all of our original branding like way back in 2014 and who remains our like design North Star. Oh my God. Like she has amazing taste, is an amazing person. What else can you ask for? I... I mean, truly nothing. You could ask for nothing more than what Kanisha is giving you. I think that's the answer. And also as someone who is really just so thoughtful about her work and her time and um, as someone I've always admired for the way that she draws boundaries and makes decisions about where her considerable talents and energy go. Like, um, you know, I know we talk a lot about our friends being possibility models and, and that is really like very true for me in the case of Kanisha. And Kanisha, truly a North Star and a possibility model. I think that's <laughs> the best way. That is truly the best way of categorizing her. I'm really excited to hear this interview. Yeah. So, um, and I also realize we don't ever talk about children's books on this show, or at least we rarely do. And so it's going to be a nice one um, for people who like to buy books for children as well um, and read children's books. Let's be real. People can collect. Th- this, is a, this is an art book as well as a children's book. So here is Kanisha. Kanisha Sneed, welcome to Call Your Girlfriend. 
Hi. <laughs> I feel like this conversation is so long in coming because you have been like an adjacent member of Team CYG for like since the beginning, like honestly, since it's before so the beginning. It's so crazy. Uh, it's been a long time. Like <laughs> it's been so long. I'm really excited to be here. I'm honestly honored. Uh, thrilled to have you. And the excuse for having you on, though, like we could we could probably invent a different excuse every day of the week. <laughs> but today's today's excuse is that you have a new children's book coming out imminently, like in a few I days. Do. In a few days. I honestly I can't believe it. <laughs> I've been in a mental time warp for the past year for obvious reasons, but just to even think that it's coming out just in the matter of days is like, I'm, I'm both excited and just like how, <laughs> like how it's so it's coming up so fast. I'm excited. So though. fast. Okay. I've already purchased it for every small person in my life. <laughs> um, but I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the plot. Yes, definitely. It's a story about a young girl who essentially creates a special shape out of clay. And um, this, this, happens through the help of her mother who is a ceramic artist and the shape is a, a yellow color and it reminds Isha of a special time that she shared with her father picking lemons. Um, and as the story progresses, her shape hardens and breaks and she must find a way to navigate her feelings of loss to find joy. Uh, and in many ways, this, this is a book about overcoming loss through creativity and that's one of the things that's helped inspire me through my own journey of loss and, you know, the proximity between loss and creativity and, and how they relate. Oh, I have so many questions, but like, <laughs> I, I have to ask first, why a children's book? You know, you're a ceramicist mm -hmm. and you're a painter and you're a digital art. You make like so many different things. Why mm -hmm. did you know this had to be a children's book? Honestly, I have wanted to do a children's book for years. Like I would say to friends that I, I want to create it, but honestly, I had no idea where to start, like no idea what was involved with it. I just knew I, I wanted to create something special that was in the form of a children's book. Like I just knew I, I really wanted to do it, um, maybe for and partly subconsciously because of the lack of children's books that I identified with personally when I was a uh, a kid or also partially because it's a really fun creative outlet to be able to get playful and and do something that is so different than you would normally do and then in other parts it's because I really love speaking to a younger audience and mentoring and that's something that really propels me and, and excites me in a lot of ways so um, you know honestly when it really started to the flame started to spark even more was um, after I lost my dad so unexpectedly in 2018. And that was just such a heavy grief that, you know, is never ending. I'm still going through it. But it's one of those things that really propelled me to really start putting pen to paper and writing down ideas and really thinking of it more deeply. And I really wanted to create something that was, um, you know, an ode to grief in many ways and how to navigate that and how I sort of was able to get through it or, you know, still going through it. But um, I just wanted something that could inspire other kids to to overcome something like that, or at least in many ways, just navigate through it. Mm. I mean, I know none of us are getting out of this life without grief. You know, I mean, if we love people, grief is a part of mm -hmm. that experience. But I also keep thinking about the fact that this book is coming out at the you know, kind of the beginning of the end of this pandemic, which has been yeah. such a time of profound, profound grief for absolutely like 
adult people and children, you probably couldn't have predicted <laughs> that it would arrive in a moment no, where everyone needs not. a grief story. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. I could not have anticipated releasing a book like this in the middle of such a heavy moment in time like this. And there's so many feelings of grief that people are navigating. You know, grief can manifest itself in a myriad of ways. Death isn't the only time people feel heaviness, though I do mm. feel there's nothing like that feeling. Um, but sadness is sadness and like, you know, pain is pain. So we all need support in one way or another. And I really learned to lean into my support system and my community and my friends during all the layers of grief after losing someone that was really special to me. And so um, right now it is a time to reflect and to find ways of, of moving forward. People have different ways of doing that, whether that's someone like me who's painting on weekends or making things out of clay or whatever that looks like for you. I think everyone needs an outlet to be able to, you know, find community within themselves or outside of themselves or whether it's through a, a creative form of, of art. Um, and so right now it, it does feel like a, a very pertinent time to be able to channel your feelings into something beautiful. What has been that relationship between grief and creativity for you? It's been one that honestly is in a lot of ways, it's symbiotic and other ways it's just <laughs> pure chaos. <laughs> there's no easy way to navigate it. Like there's no, you know, there's no way to navigate it. There's no telling when grief will hit you, it, you know, and, and in what ways you'll feel inspired to create. And there's many days I sat in front of a wall and just stared at it because I had I was not inspired to do anything or there was days I just laid in bed because I just felt so weak and tired and exhausted from being exhausted or you know exhausted from crying whatever that looks like and then there's other mm -hmm. days where I'm just like I really want to paint something and I'm gonna do that because that's just what I feel like doing right now um so you know I feel like not being um not feeling pressure, I feel like is the biggest thing. That's like number one, not feeling pressure to do a thing because either other people are doing a thing or because you feel like you're not doing something to, you know, uh, channel, you know, whatever feelings you're feeling. But then also, you know, whenever you do feel good to do it and feel like creating, then that's when that's when you should do it. And for me, it, it's something that I, I don't plot and plan. You know, I, I just kind of create when it feels right. And I, I, don't when I really don't feel like it. And then on top of that, the internet maybe sees like 1.5% of things I actually do create because I do love to practice and I love painting and I love illustrating and drawing and teaching and all of that. So I, I feel like sometimes it's just a personal thing that you can do too. Mm. Yeah, one of my best friends is an art therapist. And, you know, mm. she's she's described to me in the past, you know, there are different schools of art therapy, like some art therapists say that they encourage people to make the art, clients to make the art, and then they like analyze the art for insights about what's happening. And then there's another school of thought that is just the act of making art is the therapy. And that's the school that my friend belongs to. <laughs> yep. I love that. Yeah. And, and it's interesting hearing you talk about like, you know, not feeling pressure to create if it doesn't, um, if it doesn't feel right, or if you're in a different place with your grief that day. Yeah. I'm wondering if you ever do it in reverse where you're like, I need to bring some positive energy into my day right now. I'm going to like sit down and maybe try to make something even though I don't, I'm not feeling it. 
Yeah, I, I definitely do. And a lot of times also work kind of <laughs> pressures you to do that because you have to. Sure. Um, so, you know. Wait, you have to work? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, you, you kind of have to do a thing if you if your actual means of income is creating artwork. So it's like, yes, I actually need to force myself to get inspired right now in this moment or else I will not get paid. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's for other people where it's just like, you know, you know, you just are trying to get inspired or whatever that looks like. Some days, yeah, I, I just, I do sit down and I'm like, maybe it'll come to me. And, you know, I just need to like start to, you know, channel my thoughts for the day. Or, you know, sometimes it's just a way of meditating. For me, I, I definitely call it a form of therapy just in general because, you know, there are times where I don't feel inspired, but just through the act of sketching ideas or writing, whatever that is, um, you can get inspired from that as well. I love in your description of the book that you explain that your main character, little Isha, her shape hardens and breaks. Because, I mean, I know you meant it literally, you know, she's made something out of clay. But like, I, I think a lot about times in my life when I have somehow gotten into this really hardened state about, you know, a, a narrative about who I am or about what's happening. And knowing that like that needs to break so that something can be rebuilt or that like I can be a better version of myself. And again, I know you mean it literally yeah. in the book, but I really, I'm really feeling that as a deeper lesson. Absolutely. And it really is. And that's part of her trajectory as well. And her journey is just, you know, although this, these pieces have broken, it's like, you know, you're finding a way to create something new out of it. And that's what she ends up doing is how do you recreate something out of the broken pieces. Um, and in mm. a lot of ways, it is a metaphor being able to pick up the pieces quite literally and move forward with them, but keeping them close in, in a different way could also be something really special. Mm. So had you been working on this story um, before your dad passed away and then you kind of changed direction? Or was it something that came up and came about after that loss in 2018? I honestly had a completely different story in mind and it and before my father passed away um that i had been just sort of sketching and tinkering around with and never really landed on what the idea really was and i wasn't really that inspired by it either if i'm honest but mm. um i feel like his passing really forced me in a lot of ways to think really hard about not just the story, but just my own feelings and like, what am I going to do? You know, it's just like you, you're you're picking up these broken pieces of, of loss and grief. And, you know, that is just in and of itself. It's just that ain't easy. So to be able to mm -hmm. just move forward with that alone, just as a, a human being existing, um, but then to just like get inspired to create something, a story and and really channel that it did flow, I will say, like, it, it was something that was really special for me. And, um, and shout out to my editor, Holly, because um, she was somebody that really um, propelled the story forward in a lot of ways, just by reaching out to me at a time when I really was like, I want to make a book. She reached out mm -hmm. to me, emailed me cold email and was like, hey, I am I work for Pristel. And I'm, you know, I, I have you ever considered creating a art book? And I'm a big fan of Pristel and the work that, you know, they create and the artists that they work with. And I was like, uh, that would be amazing. But I've really <laughs> wanted to do a kid's book for a really long time. And she's like, OK, we don't do that. But let's 
let's see what we can do. And so <laughs> that was that was how it started. Uh, you said earlier that one reason you wanted to write a children's book is because you didn't see yourself in a lot of children's books when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I love about this book is it's about a little black girl named Isha who is like just looking so cute in her overalls. Like, but mm-hmm. the story is not about the fact that she is a little black girl, right? Like, it's not like yeah. a teachable moment about exactly. race type of children's book. Like, exactly. I think a lot of books with characters who are not white or coded as white um, tend to be. Absolutely. It's, it seems a little bit like you wrote for your younger self, too. Absolutely. I did. And thank you for pointing that out. Just the idea of storytelling. You know, I'm a, I'm a black artist and creator, and I've written words from, from my heart. But this isn't a story about a black little girl. It's a story about a little girl who created something really special with her mother and, and is missing her father and her mother is missing her husband. And it's all of these little nods to grief and being able to move through that and, and be able to work through that. And so being able to essentially like normalize a black experience or normalize any experience for that matter is in large part, you know, just a piece of this book. It's like, you know, this is at the end of the day, a story of being able to connect and create through these mixed feelings that you're feeling for the first time. Yeah, when I was a kid, I didn't really see myself reflected in the books that were read to me or books that I read. There were some children's books, but for the most part, there there wasn't a, a lot, you know, by comparison of today, which I'm so excited and happy to see that there's more representation that's out there um, on kids' bookshelves. And, you know, but for me, this is a story about a little girl who's, you know, navigating her own personal bouts with grief um, in a way that is channeling her own creativity or, or thinking of new ways to create. And it's just a beautiful story about um, community and the relationship with a, a mother and her daughter and a daughter and her mother and how they're both navigating the world together. I have a question, which is that I see a little bit of your mother, Mama Sneed, in this like mother character in the book, like something about the shape of her face or like even just like the way the figure holds herself seemed extremely reminiscent of your mom to me. And am I reading into it? Not at all. You're definitely channeling. <laughs> she's, she's definitely channeling some Mama Sneed energy. Um, I, I can't help it, though, because my mom is always my muse anyways. But, mm. you know, in a lot of ways, she is my my shiro. My dad was my hero. And um, and so having her be a part of it. And I've also dedicated this book to both of them jointly because um, in in so many ways, they are my biggest inspiration for creating this book. And um, yes, the, the main mother character is definitely um, inspired by, by my mother. And she has a lot of the same energy and the same sort of like teachable moments of being able to sit together and come up with the solution to be able to navigate a thing together. Also, uh, my uh, childhood bestie, also fellow friend to the podcast, Aisha Bailey Manley. <laughs> uh, Shout out to is... previous guest and forever <laughs> friend of this podcast, Aisha Bailey Manley. Yes. <laughs> yes. Aisha Bailey Manley, uh, also a pure breath of fresh air to LA's real estate market. Um, <laughs> Get that plug in there. I love this. <laughs> 
uh, we, you know, we grew up sharing the same pronunciation of our names and that mm. Isha, that word, that, that sound is so resonant with so much of my childhood. Like that is a bit of nostalgia for me, Aisha and Kanisha. And then we had other friends that had names with Isha in it. So in a lot of ways, this is also a major shout out to the Ishas of the world. And I wanted to embrace the beauty of the sound of that word and that name and just give, you know, kind of honor that because I feel like for so many people that grew up with names that aren't very easy to pronounce, that can be a hurdle to get over, you know, as you're navigating the world. And so being able to really embrace that and just sort of call it out for what that is, that's where the name Isha comes from. Uh, And for the next generation of Ishas, like truly, (laughs) I love it. I want to ask you some questions about your practice and about your work, like, you know, beyond this book, because I think of you as someone who is a woman of great clarity, honestly, like when you, you know, you made that comment earlier about how like 1.5% of your work makes it to Instagram because like you're working out everything else on your own and for yourself or for a different audience. And um, I, I also think of you as someone who's like, you know, pretty clear on when you need to make a professional shift. You know, you kind of Mm. like gone in and out of um, like maybe a nine to five job. You uh, you've had to answer a lot of questions about the way your art fits into the way you pay your bills. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I'm wondering if you can talk about that evolution a little bit of um, how you make those choices about where art and work fit and how they fit together. Yeah, um, I have no idea. <laughs> lies, <laughs> lies. I, <laughs> I plead the fifth. Um, no, it, it is one of those things that, you know, if I was asked, you know, 10 years ago, if I would see myself in a position where I'm, you know, able to work remotely, work for myself as an independent artist and, you know, m- make a living doing that, I would say no, because that is something that I just honestly wouldn't have imagined for myself being able to do. Um, Not because I didn't see that I could do it. It's more that I didn't know that that was a possibility that's out there. Like, you know, that just wasn't something that I really saw as a, um, a means to being able to be sustained. And, um, you know, I, I did have the fortune of being able to go to college. I went to an art school and, you know, um, worked my butt off, doing all nighters and sleeping under my desks. And, and I was able to uh, get a full time job as a designer when I got out of school. And after spending some years uh, in front of the computer, and then shifting over to being an art director for motion design studio, I took the leap and was like, hey, I, I really am falling in love with this other creative passion that is working with clay. And Honestly, the main reason why it was um, uh, some mixed feelings of that was because, A, I was the only black woman in that studio working at the time. 
and or I may have even been the only black person as a whole in the studio working at the time. And so a, a lot of pressure was that I felt like I I needed to stay there because if I'm not here, then who will be? Or, you know, it just felt like an, an added pressure on myself to be able to create some form of representation in a space where there's so few people who look like me in this space of motion design and, you know, digital media. And so that was a really conflicting and really hard choice to decide to leave the job for something that I just felt so passionate about. Um, but inevitably I did. I left my job and I would say maybe five or six years later, I, um, or during that time period of, of being working for myself and working independently. And I've had the fortune of being, being able to create for myself and, um, and create some work that I feel really, really excited about it and passionate about. And, um, and then only about last year, I decided to actually go back to the same studio, the motion design studio as a creative director, um, in which was a mix between uh, an opportunity that came my way as well as I, I felt really excited and empowered to to go back to that space and to create. And I've always loved motion design and being able to visually storytell. And, um, and there's something that's really, really exciting about that. And so being able to create and design and direct is something that I've just always felt so passionate about. So being able to do that and working with people who um, are championing for my voice and have a really, really nice, um, work culture is just really, um, it's really exciting. And to be able to do that and still be able to create my own work is, is really something special. So, um, I, I definitely am inspired to create work with younger artists, um, mentor and still be able to do all that while being a creative director is, is honestly a dream. And I, I feel honored to be able to do that. I would love to talk a little bit about that period, those years when you were um, self-employed and and work, working in a lot of different media, but like I think primarily known for your ceramics business. Mm-hmm. How was that different than maybe you thought it would be at the time that you quit your nine to five staff job? How did that, how did that end up playing out differently than you thought it might? Oh, well, you know, when I was when I was working full time and I would take my lunch breaks and I would go to the ceramic studio and do some wheel throwing and uh, and do just create, you know, during any second of moment that I had to myself. That's what I was doing. I was just me and Clay were in sync. That's all I wanted to do. And so when I left my job, I was still working um, in the motion design for the entire time I was working independently, I would still freelance mm. and, and design and illustrate and all of that and still take commission work while, while also, you know, making ceramics. Like that was mostly a, a side hustle for me to be able to um, have a creative outlet that was outside of the computer. The reason why I really loved working with Clay in that way, which was at the time making more functional goods, um, that was just fun for me. And honestly, when it became a a way for people to purchase goods, then there's like another added pressure. Once it becomes like a <laughs> consumer, a consumer type of 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 work and load, that's when that's when I knew I needed to pivot to something else because it was like that does not bring me joy at all. Um, that doesn't make me feel happiness is um, creating the same thing 
multiple times over and over again. And I've had some great, great experiences and opportunities. I got to work with St. Heron and Solange's brand and create some amazing work. Other um, commissioned works doing some functional goods like bowls and mugs. And also just like seeing that there's people that still have my work in their homes is just like, honestly, I'm like, I'm shook by it because I really had not anticipated that people would even like that work. So the fact that people liked it and are still asking for it just blows my mind. Like I honestly <laughs> can't even process that. Um, but then I, you know, I ended up shifting and I, I really started to love um, doing more larger scale ceramic pieces and doing more vessels. And for me in many ways, you know, my, my journey is both fluid and jagged at the same time because <laughs> I am somebody that is, I, I love to create and I don't want to fall ever into one lane. And I really, I don't like even the idea of being in one lane. So I'm always inspired to be able to um, have the outlet to do many things. And I think that that is something that is, uh, it, it excites me. You said something about how like, you didn't put it exactly this way, but about how like you and Clay just kind of got each other. Like when you first started working with that, yeah. with that medium, you were like, yes. Um, what, what did that feel like? Or what, what, I mean, talk to me about falling in love with Clay, I guess is what mm. I'm asking. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. There is something so metaphorical about it too, right? It's, there is something that is so special, especially for me personally, I was working in front of the computer all day long. At that moment when I was in front of a wheel and just learning something new, there was nothing good that was coming out of what I was making. I was just I was just like a child just playing with clay. <laughs> but <laughs> it was the feeling of being able to create with my hands and you know, and I had, you know, painted before that and illustrated using my hands, but there was just something about being able to use your hands to actually form and create an object that just really hit different <laughs> at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was just something special. And, y you know, it's, it's really just that feeling of anytime you do something that really inspires you, or anytime you try something new, and you get that adrenaline rush of just like, oh, wow, this is something really awesome. I've never tried before, but I've wanted to for so long and being able to do it and really enjoy it was something that was really something, something fun. Mm. I, I love thinking about that too, of, um, you know, I, the fact that you went out of your way to say that like what I was making wasn't great, you know, kind of going back to like the process itself being what was mm -hmm. like feeding you. Is there anything you're thinking about trying now that's new or like, what's your, what's your latest new thing? Cause like you and Clay are like now in like a <laughs> like a long-term relationship, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you guys, you're established, like, you know, I can't imagine. And maybe it does still feel new when you, when you are working with Clay, but I'm wondering what um, has given you that feeling most recently. Well, you know, what's funny. I, we're in the middle of moving right now. And so I've been actually packing up a lot of pieces of, of work that are, maybe about six years, seven years old now at this point. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm becoming even, I'm falling back in love with some work that I hated. Like I absolutely <laughs> hated. And my partner was like, no, you need to keep that work. Like, just like, don't give that away or don't break it. Just keep it. And now I'm going back in and I'm like picking up those pieces and I'm just like, oh my God, like, oh, I was like, damn, this is good. 
<laughs> like, and, like, and not even to sound like crazy or like cocky about it, but like honestly, I was just like, wow, like he, sometimes taking a break is a form of therapy. Taking a break from a thing, it, you can fall back in love with something. You know, mm. it's just like there's something that is so transcendent about taking a break from a thing, whatever that thing is, and then coming back to it. You might have fresh eyes when you come back to it and you might really enjoy it. Um, so that was something that was, that as of late has been an aha moment for me is just that, oh, I really, like, I hated my work. And then now seeing it and just like, oh, I'm going to use this mug this morning for coffee. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, there is something really, I don't know what the metaphor would be for it, but there is one there and it, it's something really, uh, really cool. Right. I love that. Um, I have to ask you about other people's art and whether, you know, in maybe the past year or, you know, even more recently than that, there has been a work or an artist that has just really spoken to you that has just been like, oh, wow, this is a thing I, (laughs) this is blowing my mind wide open, (laughs) or this is a thing I didn't know I needed or something that has really made an impact. Yeah, um, God. That would be almost impossible for me to actually. (laughs) I've never had like an impossible question, but that might be impossible because there's so many people that are so inspiring. Like I'm also somebody that is very inspirable, if that's actually a word. I don't think it is. But (laughs) I (laughs) right now, the people that I will honestly say I'm the most inspired by are people that I mentor. And that is Mm. because they're there's something so special about young minds and I'm really going to age myself by saying that. But like, honestly, like there is, <laughs> <laughs> there's just something so special about young people and being able to voice your opinions and like really feel like in just grounded in like your own self-awareness. And that's something I did not really have when I was really young was just like the, the self-awareness to know like, this is something that makes me feel this way or that way or whatever the thing is. And like, I feel like young people these days are just so aware and so conscious and like, um, and then our young artists too are just like so crazy talented. It's crazy. Um, So I'm constantly inspired. And like the people that really do inspire me the most are like people that are, are just like getting into into themselves and you know just coming of age right now and just are are leaders in their own right and you know and also just the self-awareness to know like hey this thing is not okay or this thing is okay and just like going against the grain like there's something really special about that and that really inspires me Hmm. I want to ask you about your pandemic MVPs what are the things that have gotten you through this past year, be they snacks or shows or practices? <laughs> um, what what do you want to shout out from this last year? Uh, my MVP is rest, <laughs> mm. uh, friends and conversations, uh, YouTube videos, learning how to uh, plant squash from seeds, <laughs> and probably many, many other YouTube videos of DIY gardening, because that's also just one of those things that I love to do and I'm not very good at it, but I really enjoy getting outside and just planting seeds and seeing what happens. Man, there's so many things that I really enjoy and like have 
brought me peace of mind this year. And uh, especially with everything that's just been going on with pandemic and, you know, there's just so much regurgitation of trauma and just like mm. simply existing is just in its own way, in its own way, MVP, because that's just been <laughs> mine is being able to, to simply exist, have a pause and not worry about meeting a deadline. Fat and squash from seeds. Yes. <laughs> I really, um, I really appreciate that. Um, last question. I want to bring it back to the book. And one, one thing that um, the editor that Amina and I worked with on our book um, asked us uh, was that um, who or like what books did we want to be shelved next to? Like who would maybe be our book peers, if you will, if we could curate a shelf or kind of decide mm. to be on that bookshop table with someone. And um, I know that you definitely like referenced a lot of like really beautiful like art books and children's books in your process. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you know you would want to be like in a gift bundle with or on a table with. Um, oh, I love that. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I love the work of Andrea Pippins. She has a book uh, called Who Will You Be? And it's uh, another children's book and it's so beautiful. And she's an amazingly talented illustrator as well. And just um, just an all around, like somebody I've followed for such a long time on the internet. Um, but uh, I would be very happy to be sitting next to her on a shelf. Mm -hmm. um, Christian Robinson, his work is amazing. Also super talented illustrator. Okay, Mora, Brian Wan, who's a dear friend of mine and is incredibly talented designer and illustrator, also a really awesome author, children's book author. Um, and if this were a shelf that had a mix of different genres, I'd hands down want to be book bays with big friendship. And a few other authors I absolutely adore, George McCallman, Alex L., Jacqueline Woodson, Amanda Gorman. Um, I, it's just so hard to pick one. Um, and the list would honestly just go on forever. But those are a few that I absolutely love. Mm. Um, have the young people in your life uh, read this book yet? Yes, I, I definitely made it a mission to send it to all of my friends with kiddos and make sure that I got a, um, a review from each of them. Um, and how are the early <laughs> reviews? Not to put you on the spot, but I am curious about the early the early kid reviews. Oh, I I got one review, and I I won't put them on blast because it's so. But it was like the <laughs> sweetest review. It was just like, yeah, it started out sad, but then it ended so happy, and that made me feel good. It was just like, oh, that's so Aww. sweet. It was just something like something about a child review is just like that that makes my heart actually melt. So that is the number one review in my book. <laughs> Are you even ready for all of the photos of cute children reading this book that you are going to be sent and tagged in? Because it's coming. Like, it is really oh happening. <laughs> Honestly, I, I've, I've gotten so many photos already that I'm just, like, constantly weeping over because it's just, it's, like, cuteness overload. I don't even know what to do with it. Just seeing all the photos of kids with, with my book is just, mm -hmm. like, that is literally, like, just a, a huge goal and honor and just like that just makes my heart so warm so that's just mm -hmm. exciting to even think of more coming along 
And I know you had been saying for a really long time that you wanted to write a children's book. And um, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I really want to ask, which is that now that you've done it, do you feel like you want to work in this medium more and write more? Or do you kind of feel like, um, cool, going to set that aside and try something else? Oh, I do. I, I definitely do. It's so... There's something, um, I obviously have a lot of different forms of creative therapy, and this was one of them. And it was something that I've even been writing just even after this one, still just like writing down um, plot lines for another book. And so I'd be very excited to create another one, whether it's another children's book or, or not. Um, I definitely want to create another book. I love that. Kanisha, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been a joy. This has been a joy for me. I am so, so excited to be here again. Thank you so much for having me. And this was awesome. Ugh, Kanisha Sneed. What a woman. What a woman. What an artist. It is so great to be living and working and just like being on this earth at the same time as Kanisha. You, if you want to look at more of her work, take in like you know, her art, there's a portfolio at kanishasneed.com. You can also check out uh, her work at tactilematter.com. And she is on Instagram at tactilematter. And the book, the book Many Shapes of Clay is out on May 6th. I'm buying so many copies. Available wherever you buy books. See you on the internet, boo-boo. I'll see you on the internet. You can find us many places on the internet, callyourgirlfriend.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, we're on all your faves. Subscribe, rate, review, you know the drill. Call us back, leave a voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. You can email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at callyrgf. And you can buy our book, Big Friendship, anywhere you buy books, but we are really partial to independent bookstores. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. Our producer is Jordan Bailey. This podcast is executive produced by Gina Delvac. <laughs>